Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we inspire you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Life Coach and Grief Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Episode 73, Understanding Anger. Ooh, sounds like a fun one, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I just want to, before we even get started today, I just want to thank you for being at the very first Healing Body, Mind, and Spirit webinar that took place earlier this morning. Yep, that's right. I'm recording this the same day, and this is going out tomorrow morning. I absolutely loved being with you live this morning and answering your questions, and you guys had some great questions this morning. And I really appreciated your participation. It was awesome. I loved answering your questions. It was so amazing. Really, really amazing to be with you together live. That was fun. Typically, I'm recording something and you hear it later. But this time, this morning, I got to do it live. And we're going to do another webinar. The next webinar will be Tuesday, April 7th. It's not a repeat. It's a brand new webinar, brand new stuff that we'll be, that we'll be talking about next month, April 7th. So yay, watch for that link for, to register for that and make sure you get in on that. I keep forgetting to remind you also that I have a book coming out this summer in July. In fact, it's coming out in July if everything goes well and it's due to the publisher next month. So. If you feel so inclined, I would love some prayers, some good wishes, some good energy. If you feel inclined, I would love for you to send me some some good vibes this month as I finish that manuscript. But I'm super excited to get that to you and to have you have you get that. Um, like I said, this morning was the webinar, and before the webinar this morning, I was listening to a book. And the book was called, book is called Too, let's see, Too Soon Old, Too Late. Um, gosh, what is the name of this book? Too Soon Old, Too Late Smart. I couldn't remember what the last word was. Too Soon Old, Too Late Smart by Dr. Gordon Livingston. And in one of the chapters, he talks about responsibility. Now he's talking about because he was a medical doctor, he was a doctor in the services, and then he became a psychiatrist. And so um, he he's talking about responsibility. He's talking about responsibility. He's talking about traditional medicine and the drugs that we have and so forth. And he said, it has been a failing of traditional medicine that it has promoted in most people a sense of helplessness in the face of physical illness. You know, what basically what he was saying is that we have stopped taking responsibility for our physical ailments because we just rely on medicine. We rely on pills. He says this has increased the dependency on and the status of doctors at the expense of a sense of responsibility in patients. The rise of effective somatic treatments, antibiotics, surgery, so forth, has contributed to the sense that healing is that something that happens to us rather than something in which we are active participants. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. 
I, I'm just going to repeat that again. And I, this goes for physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, whatever you're experiencing. The sense that healing is something that happens to us rather than something in which we are active participants. Super important for us to be active participants. He, he went on to say, each person is responsible for the choices he or she makes in our never ending quest for happiness. Retain the power, retain the power. The essential message of an undertaking retains its power as an instrument of transformation. If we want transformation, if we want change, we have to take responsibility for it. Even if we engage a doctor or a specialist, if you engage a specialist like myself, who's a, a grief specialist, if you engage a specialist, you're still responsible for yourself. You're responsible. You get to be an active participant in healing. And I just, I love that so much. And I know that sometimes it can feel really hard to be an active participant in healing, but so important that we, that we actively work towards healing, that we don't, we don't just expect it to happen to us but that we actively seek healing. And again, whether that's physical or emotional or whatever the case may be, I, I, I wanted to share that with you because I read that this morning and I thought, oh my gosh, that is just, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's the perfect thing that we need to remember always, all of us, every one of us, including me, constantly need to remember I constantly need to remember that I'm responsible. I'm responsible for myself, no matter what opinions, no matter what input I get from other people, whether it's a doctor or a friend or a family member, I'm responsible for myself and I need to be an active participant in whatever healing process I'm involved in. All right. So let's talk about anger. So this is from Charles Spielberger. He says, anger is an emotional state that varies in intensity from mild irritation to intense fury and rage. Now, my guess is that you're, you're dealing with either mild in, irritation or something in between that and fury and rage. Anger is an emotion that can keep us safe. It's, it, that's what it's meant for. It can help us when there's a true threat. When there's a truth threat, anger can protect us. It can help protect us. It helps, helps us to protect ourselves, but we live in a relatively safe environment. We don't have tigers chasing us. We don't have bad things happening to us every day, generally. And if you do, it's time to change the environment, but we, we live in a relatively safe environment. And usually, usually your anger is pointed at people you love not at things that can truly hurt you. But when you're already hurting, it feels like everything can hurt you. So what do you do with anger and where did it come from to begin with? You know, anger is one of the stages of grief that Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross identified. And while not everyone, not everyone who grieves will feel anger, it is a common emotion that's associated with grief. And it makes sense. Frustration, irritation, annoyance, all those things are common experiences with grief. And those are underlying emotions of, of anger. Have you heard that anger is a secondary emotion? 
In fact, frustration, irritation, and annoyance may be the first emotions you feel that leads to feeling and expressing anger. But a combination of emotions can cause anger. All kinds of emotions can cause anger. Loneliness, humiliation, being scared or hurt or rejected. All of these things can be underlying causes of anger. It's like an iceberg. If you, if you visualize an iceberg and 90%, I'm going to need to look this up, but you know how they say that 90% of the iceberg is underwater? Well, all those underlying emotions are underwater. They're under the surface. And what shows up is anger. And why do we show anger? Well, we show anger for a few reasons. One is it allows us to let off steam. Anger, when we can, when we can express our anger, it moves our emotions. So it kind of serves a purpose, but ultimately the, the underlying causes are still there. So even though you've kind of blown off the top, you know, the volcano, it, it doesn't, the lava is still down there boiling. Um, this is from creducation.com, which is conflict resolution education. They say anger is often called a secondary emotion because we tend to resort to anger in order to protect ourselves from or cover up other vulnerable feelings. A primary feeling is what is is felt immediately before we feel anger. We almost always feel something else first before we get angry. Again, that's from creducation.com. It's like that iceberg. So if we don't deal with the underlying emotions, the anger on top is still supported. It's still supported because we haven't dealt with the underlying emotions. Years ago, when my first marriage ended in divorce, about the same time as I think the divorce possibly was final at that point, uh, probably not actually. I think I was in the process of, of, um, of the divorce going through, but I was playing basketball and I used to play basketball fairly frequently when I lived in Florida. And I was on a, a church team, a church league, and I loved to play. And I had three young kids and I was playing basketball and I was going through a divorce. And there was a lot going on. I was working full time. Again, I had like three young kids, not like I did have three young kids. They were six, four and one at the time. And so I was supporting them and taking care of them and working. And then I was playing basketball occasionally on the weekends on the side. And this one game, you know, during this season, I should say not really this one game, but I remember one game was kind of like a kind of hit the head of the whole thing. But during this season, I found on the court, I had so much trouble, so much trouble handling my anger. I just got angry so quickly. And I found myself if a ref made what I considered a bad call, I found myself yelling at the ref, which I had never done in my life. And I felt about two inches tall. I felt terrible. And I didn't like this person that I was that was showing up on the court. I didn't like it. 
I didn't like being that person that was so easily angered. But there was a lot going on. I had a lot of frustration. I had a lot of irritations. I had a lot of pain I was dealing with, a lot of hurt, a lot of fears I was dealing with, a lot of those underlying emotions that can create anger. Dr. Andy Davidson said, while researchers have discounted stage theory, the experts agree that anger plays a major role in grief and loss. It colors the grieving by pushing others away making excuses for behavior and withdrawing to avoid the pain. So anger can be a way of protecting ourselves in a way that's not very helpful. It is a way of letting off steam. In fact, in the grief recovery handbook, they talk about anger as a short-term energy relieving behavior because it does release energy like the tea kettle that lets off the steam, anger allows us to let off steam. And we need a way of expressing ourselves. But no one, no one likes the results of anger. Even when we feel justified, here's the thing. Even when we feel justified, justification does not feel good either. If you feel angry, Remember this, if you feel angry, it's about you. It's not about someone else. When I was angry with the ref, that was all about me. That was not about a bad call. Didn't matter how many bad calls there were. I was in control. I needed to be in control of myself. So when we feel anger and we express our anger, it requires honest evaluation It requires honest reflection. When after the accident, after the kids died, the the therapist told us to use a phrase to identify why we were acting the way we were. So basically what he was saying is we were going to have a lot of emotions, a lot of emotions that were going to be expressed, including anger and some other emotions that and sadness and so forth that that we were going to be expressing openly, but may not make a lot of sense to the other people around us. You know, even in our family, people can, if we let off anger, they can think it's about them. And we make it about them, don't we? We make it about them. So he suggested using a phrase, and we never really did this because it didn't really feel right. But he he suggested using a phrase like, it's the box, you know, calling the accident the boss box or some other term and, and being able to say, it's the box. That's, that's the way I, the reason I'm acting this way. So we can, we let people know it's not about them, but the truth is no amount of explaining that takes back the hurt that's caused by anger, no amount of explaining can truly take that hurt back. So it is so worthwhile to do some honest evaluation and understand your anger. What made you angry? Where is it coming from? What were you feeling before that? What were you thinking? The best news ever is that nothing can make you angry. So when I say what made you angry, The truth is nothing can make you angry. You make you angry. You have the responsibility of your emotions. You get to take responsibility. 
And the best way to do that is to get to the root of it. Now, the root of it may just purely be the pain that you're in because of your loss and your grief. Like my angry basketball playing, I had too many stressors. I had too many stressors in my life with the kids and my job and and the divorce, the looming divorce. I had too many stressors to properly manage my emotions. I was grieving. It would have been better for me to choose physical activities that allowed me to burn off that energy without putting myself in a position where I was yelling at the refs. I just needed to take myself out of that situation until I could better manage what I was feeling and experiencing. So I'm going to offer you three things that you can do to start to look at your grief or your anger, I should say, to start to manage and look at your anger. One, which, you know, the physical activity that I just talked about, that's the clue to number one, find a healthy way to let off steam through physical activity. Physical activity is so amazing because when we move our body, we move our emotions and moving your body, especially if you get, if you get an intense workout that can really help you to let off steam. The second thing is to admit that you are hurt and grieving and admit that your emotions are raw. So the things you are angry at, you wouldn't normally be angry at. Too often we see, well, you know, the ref made me angry. This person made me angry. This is what happened. That's why I'm angry. And we, and we want to justify the anger. We want to look outside of ourselves and say, this is the reason that I'm angry. I am justified in that anger. But grief affects your judgment and anger affects your judgment. So, As much as you can, remove yourself from additional stress when possible and admit that it's the hurt and the grieving and that you need to allow more space for your grief. Number three, identify the underlying emotion and the underlying thought that is causing the frustration, the pain, the anger, all the emotions that you're feeling. Identify the underlying emotion that's causing the anger and the underlying thought, like I, like I was just saying, it's so-and-so that made me angry, but really it's not that person that made me angry. It really isn't the person that made me angry. It's what I was thinking about the situation. And if my judgment is clouded by my grief and my anger, then I really have to be careful about the judgments that I'm making and the anger that I'm projecting. Consciously choose a different thought that is more useful. And these are some of the things, you know, that particular exercise is one of the exercises I help my clients with. I help them to really identify what's underlying and what thought would be more useful to them so that they can better manage their emotions. Change does not happen overnight. I want you to remember that change does not happen overnight. So if you're struggling with anger, don't expect that, oh, you listened to this podcast and I got some ideas on how to manage my anger. So therefore I'm no longer going to be angry ever, ever, ever. It's not the way it works because I still experience anger and I'm teaching you these things, but I don't, 
I, I honestly don't feel angry very often, but I do feel angry on occasion. If you've developed a habit of anger, be patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself. This does not happen overnight. Be patient as you destruct the habit, as you break the habit down, as you find healthy ways of handling your anger. Be patient. You can practice new habit. You can practice a new habit of patience by not being angry with yourself. Practice patience with yourself. That is a great place to begin. Also remember, your support needs to be equal to your challenge. If you've experienced a loss, which is probably why you're here, you're experiencing loss and grief, you need more support than you needed before the loss. Your support needs to be equal to your challenge. As a grief coach, this is what I do. I support you in gently addressing your loss and your grief directly and starting to rebuild what it is you really want in life, what you really want. What what does it mean to be happy? How do we start that process of being happy again? I will support you in that. You can go to buildalifeafterloss.com to schedule a time for us to talk. Buildalifeafterloss.com. And you can always email me at julie at buildalifeafterloss.com. If you have a question or you have something specific you'd like to hear on the podcast, be sure and let me know. Remember to subscribe in your podcast app so you'll get the new episode each Wednesday and leave us a review. We love to hear your comments. Remember, I believe in you. Talk to you next week.